0: and martin paloma
1: welcome into this edition of mind on my money podcast presented by pinnacle trust i'm neil mccrady martin paloma with me as well today first time we've been together in a couple of weeks couple of Weeks, man yeah uh, martin was uh, tied up when i talked to romero miller and then i was on vacation last week when he talked to stacy wall so we're back together again and a uh, Familiar face, or I guess voice, in, in terms of uh, podcast, is uh, Dr. Alan Jones, the chief emergency medicine at UMMC, kind enough to spend part of his Friday morning slash early afternoon with us as well. So we'll get his thoughts on. I think uh, since we're talking to Alan, we're gonna we're gonna do some cooking tips. We're gonna break down some <laughs> grilling thoughts. Now we're talking vacation COVID. and
0: travel ideas. This is my fifth
1: podcast in, in, in 24 hours and they've all been COVID related. Um, I'm like thank, thank you're God. on
0: fatigue, man.
1: Well, I'm just, no, I'm just kind of thanking God right now that there are no sharp instruments in, in the room. So I, don't, I don't know what I'd stab first, me or the computer screen. Nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, or maybe both. I like just, just go on a, a spree and just start slashing. Anyway, um, uh, let me first tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number you call it. You ask for Corey Clark, you tell Corey what new Ford you're looking for. What he does is he sends you a quote in 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote and the rest is completely up to you. You can absolutely shop it around. That is your prerogative. Uh, Corey has no problem being a gauge for you to make sure you get a good deal elsewhere. He's been a guest on Mind of My Money. He's told you about there are some unscrupulous car dealers out there. He does not want you to become a victim to them. But if you uh, get a quote that intrigues you, you can follow up. Get in touch with them. And uh, Corey really wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. And he'll prove that to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. You don't have to live in or near Amory to get a deal to get your vehicle. They have delivery options. They can make it happen. Just make the call. Go from there. 6622571900 and before we get to Dr. Jones, Martin, why don't you tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle Trust?
0: Indeed. <clears throat> well, um man, I am I am actually really grateful and I know that uh I say I've said that a few times before. Man, I am I'm I'm grateful to be back on with with my crew. And it feels like uh Dr. Jones is like our most and I always think Indiana Jones when I say Dr. Jones. Um and you're cool like that too. So you, the, the hat the hat and the shoe fit um but yeah i mean you're probably dr jones our most uh repeated guest and of course so I'm
2: part of the crew now i guess you
0: are oh man i'll yep never mind rabbit hole i won't run down it we're, we'll we'll make that official at some point you'll get some gear some swag um but yeah happy to be back home with y'all what happy swag? to uh man i we can do it we can do it see we're gonna run down some rabbit holes so if anyone out there is you know, produces swag or, or decals or shirts or hats or anything really cool we can put logos on. Um, reach out to me, info at pinterest dot com, <laughs> or six zero one nine five seven zero three two three. No, but uh, in all seriousness, I mean, I was serious about that too. But happy to be back. Happy to have the crew. This actually feels normal in a not normal environment, whether it's markets or. You know Mississippi's acceleration into, uh, you know, the hotspot of a of of COVID and coronavirus. But um, you know, one of the things that has kind of mellowed out, you know, since really the on the onset of 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 COVID nineteen has been, um, markets have recovered pretty well. Um, we still have a bumpy bumpy road into the elections, and the crazy thing I thought we would have been talking about elections all summer long. Um, we haven't talked about elections really since coronavirus hit. Um, but you know, markets are kind of back to, uh, where we about to where we started. Um, but if you, know, if you're listening to this and you lost your stomach or you lost your faith in humanity, uh, trading your own accounts or managing your own money, or you didn't hear anything from your advisor, um, you know, whether it was through a podcast, written communication, uh, videos, you know, give us a call, give us an opportunity to 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 work with you and, and see if we can't help you figure out and put together the puzzle pieces of your life. Um phone number six oh one nine five seven zero three two three uh you can reach us through email info at pinn Uh we are also really active uh Facebook um you can search Pinnacle Trust search mine on my money podcast reach us through there uh if you haven't liked our pages or uh, our Instagram pages do us a favor Go like them, give us a review as well, uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, we would appreciate the opportunity to serve you. So uh, 601-957-0323 or info at p-i-n-n-trust.com. Alan, welcome back into the show. I do look forward to
1: one day having you on the show and talking about something that is, we're just going to find something random. We're going like <laughs> to say, Alan, tell us about your hobbies. And, and an hour later, we're going to thank you. And we're going to, I'm going to mention that we did not mention the word COVID
2: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna mention the word
1: virus. We're going to have a, we're going to have a game and I look forward to this show and I hope that I'm still alive to see it. Um, we're going to have a game where anyone who says the word virus or a word that rhymes with virus or anyone who says COVID or a word that rhymes with COVID has to drink right there. I mean, like oh man, massive shots of tequila or something. There's, oh, there's going man. to be punishments involved. We've, we've We'll have a show where we just, we're going to say, Alan, tell us the five favorite things you like to do away from work, and then we're going to talk about those things.
0: Your five favorite dishes and how to make okay. them.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but today probably that won't be the case. Today we probably will talk a lot of COVID and probably not about your hobbies, so forgive us. Welcome into the show, first of all. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank
2: you. I appreciate it.
1: All right. I'm going to start here because I'm I'm kind of – I find this topic on rebelgrove.com to be one of the most polarizing topics in the world. I'm not exactly sure why I sort of go all over the place with it. I'll give you my personal thoughts on mask quickly so that you know where I'm coming from. I've worn one since April. I wear one in elevators. I wear one indoors. If I go into a store anywhere, including in a place, not like I, I was, I was in Florida where you didn't have to have them. I wore them. I don't mind them. It's fine. I make jokes about how I look better. Uh,
0: Oh, as he puts his mask on. I look hey, better man. with
1: I look better with one than without one. It kind of makes look me look like mysterious. Bane. Yeah. As a bald guy, it, it, it does some things for me. Oh dude. I'm fine with it.
0: Neil, you that should means- totally get the Bane mask with rock your baldness with that Bane Batman Bane villain mask. Yeah. Oh dude, that would be Doctor J could do it too, man. That'd be so. But we've awesome. had all
1: these mixed messages about masks for a while now. People are frustrated, people whatever. People say they work, they don't work. People wear them where they, they only cover their mouth. They don't cover their nose or they cover their nose, but not their mouth. Or they wear a bandana or I, I literally saw somebody with a pair of underwear <laughs> over their face. And I thought that probably doesn't work. Yeah. But the CDC director today said if all Americans embraced wearing a mask, the coronavirus could be controlled in one to two months. My question to you, and I'm, I know you're not an epidemiology necessarily expert, and you probably did not spend your entire professional life studying the effectiveness of, of cotton masks. But how true is that statement? And if it's remotely true, what would what would entail wearing a mask? What does that mean?
2: Yeah, well, I think um, I think it's part. It's a partly partially true statement. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, masks are one component of what we need to do to get control. Um, but here's the deal with the mask is, number one, it definitely doesn't make things worse. Right, right. It's, it's not going to make to it spread it. more. Um, and we, we do have scientific evidence. I mean, there's, there, there's published scientific evidence that if you have two masked people, Uh, then there is gonna be less spread of aerosolized uh, material. So uh, we we do know that if everyone were to wear a mask, and this is the whole reason why some of the Asian countries were able to pretty rapidly control it is because what you're trying to do with the mask is you're trying to take the person who has got the virus that is asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, meaning that they've got it and they're about to become symptomatic, but they're not They've yet. got
1: it and they don't know it.
2: They've got it and they don't know it. Okay. Um, it's to try to prevent those people from spreading it to people that uh, don't have it. It's not about the sick person having it and preventing the spread, because if you're sick, you should stay at home. Anyway. Right. Yeah, right.
0: That makes, that makes sense.
2: And so if if we have universal masking... There's no question, no question that the virus will spread less. No question about it. Uh, but that's got to be also coupled with some degree of social distancing because if you, if you have a mask and the other person has a mask and you're still too, you know, two centimeters from each other's face, it's not going to help because the mask that we're using, the mask you just put on, they're not filtering masks. Right. So you're still going to get still going to get viral particles that go through the mass and get out in the air. So you still do have to still have to still do have to distance some. You still have to be logical I mean, you still don't want to go into, you know, um, a submarine, um, you know, with a thousand people and stay there for an hour. Yeah. Um, So it's coupled with some of the other um, social policies that we need to adhere to. But I'm convinced that if we did have universal masking and people would follow it and follow some of the other guidelines with congregating people together, that we would, we would control it and we would control it within probably six to eight weeks. Wow. <clears throat>
0: you know, we did, um, um, we did the Bill Nye, the science guy experiment in our house. Cause I was just curious where, uh, he, I don't know if you guys saw it. He did a video, uh, and he was talking about the homemade masks versus, you know, other masks. And he just had a candle in front of him, put a mask on, um, and tried to blow the candle out. And even just the surgical masks, you know, trying to blow the candle out. And it took a lot of effort to move the flame. And then, uh, he put a homemade mask that was like the, it was like a double ply. It had the outside and then it had an an inside as well. Uh, and, tried to blow a candle out and, and, and he couldn't. And, you know, that was a very visual thing for me too, to see, you know, I hear what you guys say, but then seeing that, you know, he was trying to blow a candle out and then we of course did it at our house to, to test it. Cause I don't always believe what I see either. Um, yeah, know, it was, we had the same, we had the same, uh, outcome. The same yeah. result was, it was very difficult to blow, to even move the flame on the, on the candle. But I do think it's also
2: important Neil, you said, um, I mean, you you got to leave the mask alone. You got to put it on your face, put it over your nose, put it over your chin, and just leave it alone. You can't pull it down to talk. That defeats the purpose. What the hell you got the mask on for?
1: If You pull it down to talk. You yeah, know? You'll, you'll go through the store, and, and you'll, you'll see somebody, and they're doing this. They're going, they're taking it off to talk on their phone for a minute and they're playing yeah. with the groceries and then they'll kind of put it back they'll do it like this. Yeah. And it's like, nah, dude, that doesn't work. I mean, and so that, I'm like, come on. I mean, that's that's what frustrates me is, is it, I, it comes across as me being frustrated at officials and stuff. I wish we'd said months ago, hey, look, let's put mask on and, and then here's a national tutorial of what this is and looks like. Yeah. Because the cat that's wearing his mask Right
0: this. Well, the nose exposed. Now, I
1: get that's better than nothing, but his nose isn't covered. And so it, it, it's, it's, really, nothing, it's really not it's not particularly either. good either.
2: Yeah, it's really not to me it's really not better than nothing because you know he's gonna be t- here's the other thing is if you have it, if you have COVID and you got you're wearing your mask on or you keep touching your mask, guess what you're doing? You get those viral particles all over your
1: hands. Yeah. yeah.
2: Going to the grocery store and picking up cans and putting them back down and, you know, opening the freezer doors. And so you really need to put the mask on, leave the mask alone <laughs> and just get on with your life. You know, I mean,
1: he's picking out lemons. He's picking out lemons and he's touching the same dude I just described. I was going to buy lemons that day. And and he's in front of me and his mask is over his part of his mouth, not his nose, and he's picking up lemons and putting them down on I'm not buying lemons today. You're like, you're like man, new grocery store. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. You just want to scream.
2: Yeah. Well, this is the thing I don't understand. And I don't know, I'm a simplistic person, but I mean, this is not about individual freedoms. It's not about to me, it's about respect for other people. I mean, really, literally, that's what it comes down to. You know, I don't wear a mask because, you know, I am, uh, you know, giving up a freedom. I'm wearing a mask because I respect that the person that I'm going to be standing next to doesn't want to catch something from me. And I don't want to give it to them. I don't want to be responsible for giving them, you know, a virus that might kill them. So. To me, it's just about us all agreeing we're responsible citizens and we respect each other and we're going to do everything we can do to get back to where we can go to bars and have a beer and you know have barbecues and not worry about wearing a mask and everything else we want to do.
1: So I jumped ahead with that topic because it popped up on my Twitter feed literally as we were opening the show and I I wanted to not forget in my old age to ask you about it, but now we'll backtrack a little. I always do this with COVID-related podcasts. Um, I've done a bunch of them lately. I think it's important to timestamp. People think I'm making a joke, and in some ways I am, because the the world 2020 2020 has come at us pretty fast. But uh, it's it's July the 17th at 11:30 a.m. Central Daylight Time when I asked Dr. Jones this question. So if you hear it tomorrow and the information is outdated, it's not his fault. As of this moment, sort of where do we sit with COVID in the state of Mississippi?
2: Bad, it's really bad. Um, But it can can get worse. So yesterday, the Department of Health um, posted the highest number of cases we've had so far. Uh, We've consistently seen um, deaths uh, in the upper teens. Uh, We've gotten up to 40. Hospitals are full. You know, I think people think hospitals are exaggerating that when we get on and we say we're full, we don't have any ICU beds. Like, what does that benefit the hospital to say that we're full? Right. You know, we are full. Um, you know, we're we're seeing um, lots and lots of uh, community spread of COVID, and it's it's not getting better. If anything, it's getting worse. And, you know, a lot of the reason is because I think people just thought magically, if we just ignore the virus and ignore what we're being told, maybe it will just go away because it's hot. You know, it's 100 degrees and 100 percent humidity in Mississippi. And, you know, uh, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Well, guess what? It didn't. It's it's worse now than it has ever been. And this is not an exaggeration. If it gets 25% worse than it is now, we will be in the kind of New York, uh, Texas, um, you know, New Orleans type situation that we've seen on the news. Um, there's already, it's hard to find places to put people that need to be hospitalized. So it's it's, it's worse than it has been through the whole thing today.
1: Do you sense that that it's, Going to get that twenty-five percent worse? Are there some signs that maybe it's it's plateauing? Are there any signs that perhaps improvement is is around the corner? I mean, what do you what do you see just from a data standpoint?
2: At least in the last week, all the numbers seem to be heading in the wrong direction. But I will say that at least uh, it it appears as though there is more. Um, uh, there are more individuals and and. Um, policies that are coming together around what is needed to make things better. Um, so I think that's encouraging, but all the numbers are headed in the wrong direction right now.
0: Yeah, I and, 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 and I, sec- d- I saw this morning too that, <clears throat> and I and and I may be misunderstanding, and it was a, uh, it was Mississippi Today they had a tableau chart which i love because i read and sometimes it doesn't stick but the charts but it was like the it looked like our at least maybe one of the silver linings was that our 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 po- percent positive cases had had just clicked down like on the i guess the 7 day average and i don't know if that's something to hold on to saying at least that's you know a beacon of hope in a pretty dark space or if you know that could end up just going reversing course and and going the opposite way. And that may not even be a metric that's even worthy of looking at. I'm just trying to find, I'm trying to find hope in a really, really dark, dark, dark cave.
2: Well, at least in the last week, uh, we've been in the top five for percent for, for new positive cases per capita in the country. So that's not a good uh, list to be on the top of. Um, I think that You know, one thing we are seeing is that the more activity there is, and you'll see some of this put out there, but the more activity there is, obviously uh, you're going to see different demographics that are spreading the virus around. It does look like that a younger demographic is getting the virus and spreading it around. And, you know, there's a lot of theories out there why they're more likely to congregate in parties and bars and you know, houses and that kind of stuff and not be concerned about the consequences of developing it. Um, So we think that's probably one of the main reasons why that is uh, occurring. Uh, But what they're doing is they're bringing it home to their parents who are then giving it to their coworkers, who are then bringing it to other people that ultimately end up needing to get hospitalized. Remember, for every person who gets it, they're going to give it to 2.5 other people um so just it's just the law of the law
1: of multiplication yeah.
0: exponential that's
1: around really quickly yep. you know so let's talk about young people because there's a lot of conversation obviously right now about young people about returning to school and whether or not that's safe and whatever whether yeah. young people spread this whether young people don't and then there's a different definition of what young people is is young people at 19 year olds is young people nine year olds um uh, I'll leave that sort of open-ended since you, you, you know, a lot more about this than, than I obviously do. What, what is, what are your thoughts about young people? Uh, there, are they spreaders? Are they not spreaders or how, how, how much do they pass it along to older people? Uh, how much, you know, how, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking a very good question here, but I think, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I know what you're
2: saying. So, um, so I think you have to think about the age demographic two ways. One would be the, let's just say the, College, college age starting eighteen and up, okay. and then everybody younger than that, right? So
1: seventeen and below, eighteen and, and up. below,
2: eighteen and up. Okay. okay. So the 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 people, the gr- demographic group that seem to be spreading it around is the eighteen to thirty nine year olds. Um, so you know maybe even really eighteen to twenty nine year olds at a higher prevalence, but. That's the group that's you know much more social, uh, independent, um, you know more likely to be um, out and about uh, congregating. Um, in In terms of spreading, those people are going to spread it just as much as everybody else. And then if you look at the seventeen and younger, um, they still get it. They they have less symptoms. They're more likely to be asymptomatic or have mild symptoms. And they probably do, sp- they're not super spreaders. They probably do spread it at a lot lower level um, than, you know, other people um, that are older. And the reason is just because if you look at the, you look at the social activities of those age groups,
0: that makes sense. you know, they don't
2: get together in big groups Um, They don't engage in high-risk activity, Um, high-risk activity like, you know, drinking and going to parties and singing loudly, you know, having get-togethers where there are 10, 15 people in a living room watching a movie, whatever. Um, So they're less likely to spread it and they probably have Less uh, ability to spread, you know, they don't they don't produce as much and spread as much. So, so in terms of school, I mean, I think there's a much higher likelihood that you could do you could get school age kids and high school age kids to school um, in a in a, a fashion that looks more similar to what we used to know than getting college age kids to school. I think that's a You know, when I think about trying to bring, you know, for example, Ole Miss, trying to bring 16,000, 18,000 kids back to campus in dorms, oh, my God, just that gives me palpitations even thinking about that. How do you do that in a a way that doesn't spread it around and overwhelm stuff?
1: Because you're worried about them getting it and spreading it to older people.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask too, yeah.
2: Well, you, well, you, a couple of things you get, you, you worry about, you know, getting it and spreading it around to each other. And there's some number of those people are going to, you know, uh, get sick and be in the hospital. I mean, I was just over there um, in the hospital and we have a 20 year old in the ICU on the ventilator, you know what I mean? So some number of them are going to get sick and go into the hospital. So if you get a, a mass of them, and you just take, okay, this number out of that mass is going to get sick and go, let's say it's 0.1%, that could overwhelm the hospital there in Oxford, you know, if if in a short period of time that number of people got sick and needed to go to the hospital. Um, So it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of they're going to get it and they're going to spread it and a little bit of they're going to get sick too.
1: And then with... So, if I'm hearing you correctly, I, sw- I want to make sure I'm not putting words in your mouth. I want to make sure I understand. I probably represent the middle of the range of the intelligence of our of our listeners, perhaps. Probably, I'm I'm probably in the lower lower quadrant. There's there's, who knows? <laughs> I don't believe so. That. So you feel better about say middle school kids going back, high school kids going back. You 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 feel like that's a. Assuming it's done with some degree of common sense, that that's probably a safe thing for them to do
2: yeah i think that you, i think if it's designed correctly um, with parameters it can be done safely or you know in a safe enough way that you can do it in other words i'm just going to give you a for example okay uh middle school fifth through eighth grade okay Whatever
1: middle school is sixth through eighth grade Six
2: through eight, yeah. OK. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of this week, um, we're going to bring back half of those students. Um, and on the next week, those students will go on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, in between uh, the, the days, we're going to you know, make sure we're cleaning really well. Um, and then you alternate weeks like that so that you don't have everybody on campus at one time and then you set up processes so that there's not a lot of socialization within those groups. So, you know, uh, this group goes, only this group stays together and does things. They don't intermingle with that group. Um, And we clean high touch areas a lot. And, you know, we spread the desks out because we don't have everyone on campus. We don't need them all put together. So I think there's ways that you can come up with to do it in a pretty safe way. And then you just have to have procedures for when somebody gets sick. What are you gonna do? You know, they have COVID, how are you gonna contact trace and isolate? I mean this is not difficult stuff to do. It just takes some thought and planning.
1: Um Martin, feel free to jump in at any point. Yeah, and the, 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 I and I kind
0: of have a question too, and and I'm not I'm definitely not trying to be a, a, a Debbie Downer by any stretch of the imagination. <clears throat> so let's say we do have a, you know, call, let's call it Group A is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, you know, Group B is the Tuesday, Thursday, the flip flop. Um, for for my house, that would work okay because I have my mother lives with me. Uh, she's you know, 72. I think we've talked about before. She works from home. Um, right now, my wife is currently COVID unemployed. Um, so, you know, that, that's a, that is possible for us where they could do even some distance learning stuff from home. And I know that one of the, the, the things that a lot of, there's been a lot of pushback back is our pushback about is, you know, for, for families that are maybe they're, you know, single, single parents, single income families, how do we, and I, and I know this is, I'm asking you a question you obviously can't, you can't answer. You're not, that's not what you're, <laughs> what you're supposed to do. But I just had to think about like, how, how does that work in a, in a situation like that where, you know, the, I don't know how that parent works. Um, if they've, you know, if they've got to be, if they have a kid that's not going to be at school during the day and if they're a single parent, you know, is, is it a day? I mean, I don't know, man. i I'm, I'm grasping for a question. I know that you yeah, probably don't a, have an answer. Um, I think
2: it's a totally valid question. That, you know, I, I don't have an answer to it. I mean, you know, people are going to struggle with, uh, you know, that, that situation for sure. Um, you know, hopefully employers will be as flexible as they can in terms of teleworking when it's possible, but you right. know, not, not a lot of jobs w- are conducive to teleworking. So sure it is it's kind of scenario where there's no good answer yeah um but i i also don't think the answer is we'll just throw a all back into school you know in a way that they were before and just hope for the best and that's not that's not a great solution either yeah. and i
1: know you don't have a crystal ball but what's a what's a because the, the the natural question when i hear what you're saying and, and i understand that it's as as the dad of 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 two kids that are, one's going to be a senior in high school, one's an eighth grader, and I know the emotional impact that this has taken on kids. I I see it in my house. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, What's the what's? Where do you see this? How long does this go? I hear people talking about, well, until there's a vaccine. Well, man, that could be five years, and we still we're still waiting on an HIV vaccine. There's still no H1N1 vaccine. There's a lot of vaccines that we're still waiting on when people talk about, it, well, there's going to be a vaccine in October, I sort of roll my eyes Like there's no way that's going to be a scientifically proven, approved vaccine. If it is, that's kind of a miracle. Is it, is it people say, well, we have to wait till the virus is gone. I, how does that work? I mean, what, and I don't mean this to be argumentative at you at yeah. all, Alan. I'm, I'm yeah, just, no, kind of, I understand. I'm expressing the, the the thoughts and concerns of a lot of people. What's the end game. That's kind of their question. And I know that's a really unscientific question, but, you know, what's, where, where does, where is the, where is the ray of hope? Where is the, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Or is there one?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think just like everything through all this, uh, it seems like every week is there's something new and different, but I think a vaccine is, um, is certainly one thing that we have to really, really work towards. Um, You know, there's some really, compelling data that was published this week um about a potential vaccine um, you know it's was, it was the moderna yeah and it does yeah you know, i read the paper it's pretty promising uh, okay. you know so i i do think there is some there is some hope on the horizon around that um you know uh in terms of Other end games, you know, perhaps we come up with some type of a a treatment strategy on an outpatient basis that lessens the severity of outcomes. And we just we just all agree, you know, this is about the best we can do. And we just go we just kind of open back up the way it was before. And, you know, if it if it it makes, you know, 95 percent of people better uh, then you know, that's that's acceptable as it can be. Um, are, we,
1: are we anywhere close to that from what you've seen?
2: I know there's a, there's a tremendous amount of uh, activity going on with, you know, investigating new drugs. Uh, and, you know, there is some promise with some of them. I mean, certainly remdesivir, which we're using in hospitalized patients, um, you know, has, is, is helping. Uh, but there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. I, it looks like some of the data I'm seeing potentially zinc. Uh, for you know, people that are early in the course, um, zinc actually inhibits the enzyme that's needed for this virus to replicate. So, you know, there's I think we're going to know a lot more in the next four to six months. Um, you know, and here's the other thing you've got to remember is if you can decrease the activity enough of the virus and slow the spread of it down, eventually the virus burns itself out. And that's what you've seen in Europe and, and Asia when you look at their curves.
1: Yeah.
2: It's nothing magic. You know, you just decrease the activity enough that it can't sustain transmission. And when it can't sustain transmission and you decrease the number of people that have it, at some point it becomes non-existent. And when I say non-existent, not that it can't come back, but there's such minimal activity that people won't have to worry about it yet because it's not out there and being spread around society.
1: That was kind of my next question. People talk about, quote, the second wave in quote, they talk about it being seasonal. Like the flu is, you know, we think of the flu influenza as seasonal, it comes back and there are different variations or I'm sure I'm not using the scientific word here, yeah. but you know, there's different mutations of the flu and, you get a flu vaccine that sometimes protects you and sometimes it doesn't because the flu, you know, mutated into a different variation of itself. You can right. tell that I, I went to ULM and have a, a degree <laughs> in communications and not in anything <laughs> resembling epidemiology, but you know what I'm asking? What, what what do you know? And I know we don't know everything. It's a novel coronavirus, but here on July the 17th, what do you, what what are your thoughts about a second wave, about it being seasonal, about it coming back?
2: So, couple things that we have going for us with this is, is it, you know, unlike influenza, uh, influenza has this kind of antigenic drift that occurs each year where the different, different strains emerge because that virus mutates so readily. This virus mutates, but the mutations don't affect the antigens that we are targeting for vaccines. And so... Because of that, it should be the case that an effective vaccine will not be targeted against something that mutates. So that's a positive. So if we get a vaccine, it should work. The real question okay. with the vaccine is how long does the immunity stay? You may end up having to get the vaccine every three or four months. You know, it may work for a year and have to give it every year. We just don't know that quite yet. Um, in terms of um, a second wave, I personally, and this is what I've always said, is it's too early to talk about a second wave when you hadn't even made it through the first wave yet.
1: Sure, sure. um,
2: And we don't know exactly what influenza season with coronavirus looks like because we've never lived through it. So, you know, kind of will it be worse with influenza or will we just see a bad influenza season? Um, Nobody really you know, can can say with any degree of confidence because we don't have the experience of knowing what it looks like. But, um, you know, the interesting thing about the second wave is we have an experiment going on right now that we'll be able to know. When we see if Europe and Asia and some of these places that seem to have controlled the virus activity pretty well, when we see if they have a big increased spike, um, You know, then we'll know more about whether there is going to be a second wave or or if if they'll be able to maintain some degree of just baseline, you know, low level activity. Um, But in in the U.S., it's just not even a logical thing to talk about at this point, because, I mean, we're setting record number of cases and deaths every single day right now
1: what yeah. about herd immunity t-cell immunity things that people talk a lot about i know herd immunity was something that got talked a lot about in in march and april yeah uh, back in the it was back in a, a couple of decades ago uh, according to my clock i mean it was we, we were you know we talked to hey well at a certain point you know there's a percentage of the of the people that get it and and that sort of creates herd immunity and then there's been a lot of talk from from smart people about t-cell immunity as well where some people yeah. just sort of have some natural antibodies that help them not catch the virus?
2: So, um, you know, in order to reach herd immunity, which generally is thought to take 70% of the population having antibodies against, uh, against the virus, uh, and those antibodies have to be antibodies that result in, you know, lifelong immunity, essentially, um, you know, based on the number of people in the communities that have done good population-based sampling that have positive antibodies, it'd probably take about five years to get to herd immunity. So I don't think that's a, a you know kind of logical thing to be looking forward to at this point. Um, there is some emerging data that um, T-cells uh, and particularly memory T-cells uh, that uh, with exposure can ramp up. Um and provide some immunity. that's that's a that's a something that's still under investigation. But I do think that there is promising information about immunity and the immune response that's coming out that, um, you know, has the potential to change the way we think about what you need or what immunity brings to the table in terms of, how long, you know, we're going to be dealing with this stuff. And, you know, if we had this, this is the thing that I've said to people is if we had a limited number of hospital beds, uh, we could just open up and just say, okay, we can take care of these people, let's just do it. But unfortunately, the way our medical system is set up, you know, if if we get overwhelmed, we're not going to be able to take care of you if you have a car, you know? You Break your leg,
0: we're just not going to have a place to put you yeah I remember, I remember that conversation you know when all this first ramped up too, and you, yeah is do you think is a place like Mississippi in worse I mean, shape than um, a place that I don't know I'm pulling a, uh, I'm just thinking of like a place like New York that probably has you know uh, maybe they have a better health system or Houston or Dallas or
1: Orlando or Tampa or other places that are supposedly kind of hot spots right now?
0: Yeah, I mean do our is it because our healthcare infrastructure is, you know, not as equivalent as theirs that, that it's that it's even worse for us, um, you know, from a the the chance of not having care opportunities for, for sick people?
2: Uh no, I don't. Okay. I I think actually maybe in some ways we we might be in a better situation due to our population density. You know, the rurality of our state has probably served to um, lessen the spread compared to somewhere like a Dallas or Houston or New York. Um, you know, we per capita have probably less ICU beds um, than some of those places do, um, but I don't think it's such a striking difference that um, it's anything to really take note of
0: Okay. I think
2: in a lot of ways, maybe the fact that we have a lot of rural communities has
0: has helped some. Well, that was you know one of the uh, in the Economist, which was kind of shocking because they are usually a a pretty straightforward, just facts. You don't get a lot of opining, um, especially as it as it is a uh, you know with politics or anything that's non you know financial or economy related. And it was an article that was I read and it was talking about how the bad how the South was going to be worse than other areas of the country because we have, and they were calling it a crumbling healthcare infrastructure, you know, and I, and I guess that's some politicizing, you know, of it that, you know, we have rural health systems that are, you know, closed because of funding and you know, it made a really bad picture. And of course, here I am, I'm the, the average Joe guy. That's, you know, that's not in the medical industry. And uh, you know, and of course you are in this day to day and I'm just reading what the economist is telling me. And it makes sense, you know, what they're saying, but, Then from hearing what you said, you know maybe it is the, it was a spin on a, on a piece that you know maybe is true, maybe is not true, but um, but you know, but gives some credence to people saying, oh, the South, you know, they're going to be overrun, they're gonna, you know, it's going to be worse there because they don't have good access to healthcare like the bigger places, but um, yeah,
2: well. Maybe it remains to be seen. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just being optimistic about it, but, um,
0: I mean, I think you're in it on a day-to-day basis where this is a guy from London writing an article from a, about a place he's probably never, you know, never visited. Uh, so I, I would take your, what you're seeing as more weight than, than his. And plus you're a Millsaps graduate. So that makes me look better, you know, Neil, <laughs> not not knocking on your ULM piece, but because Alan sounds really smart, it automatically gives me credibility. Well, okay.
1: we will kick Millsap's ass in skiing. Uh, we will water skiing. We will destroy y'all. I mean, just anytime you want. Anytime you want to meet on Bayou Desi, let me know. I'll arrange it, and it'll be destruction. Is you'll, that, you'll go home. Is that you'll me, go
0: home. Is that me versus you? Or is
1: that oh, no, no, it's our schools. It's our schools. It's the Millsap skiing team versus the ULM skiing team. You, you all will head back to Jackson. You won't even take your, your slalom ski back with you. You'll be so humiliated. <laughs> I'll
2: stay out of that one. Yeah.
0: I was like, I didn't realize.
2: Right, well, skiing, speak- was
1: a sport. Yeah, well, skiing is a sport. We're like the 27 time national champions. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of,
2: kind of speaking through all this, that, that, is it all? Oh, I mean, you know, I get all this has been politicized and polarized. Sure. But sure. I mean, the cognitive dissonance that has occurred, you, you know, about everything related to this pandemic is just striking. People use whatever information that they can use to support whatever preconceived notion that they've developed about you know, this pandemic, it is really, it's fascinating to me that, you know, you're able to look at just pure data, number of cases, number of deaths, hospitals overrun, and somehow rationalize the opposite, because you need to, for whatever reason, it's,
1: it's well, different. I think it's a lot, I, I do think, I, I, I agree with you, I do think, not to defend those people necessarily, because sometimes I'm in that group. Uh, but I, I do think you see things like what's happened in Florida, where it's there's been documented cases of 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 people changing numbers and and things like that. And people look at that and they say this thing has been, like you said, so politicized since day one. Uh, you would watch the you would watch the the White House press briefings back in the day. Remember those that lasted for hours, and it would be Trump and Fauci yeah. and Pence and. <laughs> And all of those people and every media question after another was, President Trump, why didn't you do something back on February the 2nd? Why didn't you do something on February the 3rd? It was, just, it was constant and people fatigued and yeah. then people lost, their, people lost their jobs and people had their lives disrupted and people got scared and all of those things happened and so it, 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 it piled on and on and on and people get desperate and people are scared and people are worried and uh, not, so all of those things happen. I'm and I, I'm not, it's not directed at you. I'm just saying, yeah, no, I, know. I, I, I get why some of that happens and people start searching for that proverbial needle in a haystack. There's, they're searching for, they're searching for that ray of hope that we were talking about a minute ago.
2: But it's on both sides. It's not the, I don't want to wear a mask people or I do want to wear a mask people or it's, it's on both sides, you know, how you can latch onto something to justify whatever you want it to be, sure. even though in the face of the clear information, it's not, you know, it's not the case. It's just, it's been fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally the the two extremes. There's two extremes and, and there's plenty of people on both sides. There's the, it's a hoax extreme. And then there are the people that we cannot there. I saw one guy said, the answer to this is that we shut society down yeah. until the virus has been eradicated. And you're like, no, no, no. You, no, you that, you, you do, do understand that doesn't work because to do that you have to shut everything down which means that within a couple of months none of us will have anything to eat i mean so that it doesn't work like that either that you've you you've said this I've, I've referenced you so many times alan about in some ways we do have to learn how to live with it yeah while yeah. we while yeah. we figure out how to beat it and, and so there's there's these two crazy extremes and and, and they get politicized and and uh, Twitter is a very bad place. And, and, um, and, and, and so th- there's, there's a lot of that that goes on. All right, we, we talked about sports. Uh, we talked about the, the, the king of sports, water skiing. Uh, let's talk about some of the other sports that other people like to play when it's not water skiing season. And one of those is football. And it's coming up, it's July the 17th. Uh, we'll, I, I, I'm going to ask you to sort of attack this from a, a three-pronged approach not just football, but sports in general, team sports, youth sports, high school sports, college sports?
2: So I think if if we want to have, this is Alan's opinion, right? There's, okay. We want to have sports. We're going to have to do it um, in, in a way that people are not used to. Uh, I think that the ideal situation would be to look at what has gone on in Europe, particularly in the, um, in the uh, German professional soccer league where they played they're the first ones to start back. And they Bundesliga. Yep. yep. They played uh, in empty stadiums and they have not had outbreaks of COVID and they've done it in a safe way and they've managed to, you know, provide the fans with something to watch, and I mean, I think to me that's the model. I mean, I, and I think if we want to have sports, then just for this year, we just say that's what we got to do, um, and that's going to be the safest way to do it. Now, could you could you figure out a way to do it in you know partially filled stands? Maybe I don't know. Probably could. Um, you're going to have some activity, but again, this is not about. L- this is not 100%. We can't have any spread of the virus. It just has to be done in a way that we do it in as safe a way as we can. And we know that, um, you know, we're willing to accept a little bit of transmission, but not so much that it it it's causing problems. And that's that whole, we got to learn to live with it, coexist with it, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, just going to have to look different. I'm not saying you can't do it at all, but you're going to have to do it in a different way. Um, I think the ideal way, if we want to start back as soon as possible, is just to everybody agree we're going to do it in empty stadiums and yeah. you know somehow share in the profits of whatever it looks like for bunches of people to watch it. And I don't know, you know.
1: Yeah, the high schools in Mississippi. What they announced? They said they're going to they're going to uh, start practice yeah. August the seventeenth. Uh, Play games September the 4th in many ways. I don't mean this as a knock on, on high schools, but you know, I mean, I've been going to Oxford high school games for a while now with my daughters doing stuff and people sort of naturally socially distance. It's not, it's not a sold out. It's not a sold out stadium. I know there are places in in Mississippi that are, but it seems like there's probably a way to do that pretty safely where you do separate people and tell people you, you have to wear a mask
2: you can uh, I think yeah. You I mean, limit the number of people in don't let them in if they don't have a mask on make you know mark where they can sit and not sit that's it you know
1: yeah and then i think that's what if there is a college season and i don't know whether i'm hopeful or not today I, I, my, my business needs it that's for sure uh if, if there's a college season i i think there's no question it starts with no fans in the stands and and perhaps goes my guess is no higher than twenty five percent capacity. I, I I think I I, I, think. I would
2: I would think that that'd be doable. Either one of those, you know, I really I really think you could probably do it in some way that you know would be able to move forward, but not um, not totally just shut everything down. I mean, I think we have to try. You know, we we got to try something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I because you, you start
0: one way doesn't you mean started. you have to finish it either. Like if it does start with twenty five percent capacity, and then we see, you know, that this uh, cases are really falling, hospitalizations are falling, deaths are falling, and we see a, you know, kind of a right tell event where things are diminishing, you could always start adding in, you know, a little extra capacity if 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 it was positive, right? I mean, and then reverse if it gets crazy, just say, hey, we're just no, no Brilliant. fans, uh, just just players. I mean,
2: I think part of the reason we're in the situation we're in now is because we had this, you know, plan, uh, which was a good plan for reopening, but everybody ignored it. We just blew through it. We went from phase one to phase three in a week, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I, I think that's where, frankly, and I've I've told a lot of people this and they get mad at me. I blame my field for that. I, I think we committed an egregious error back in late May, early June, when that started happening, um, it, it, that's when, if you go back and look at it, that's when people really got political with it. And then the protest happened and, uh, those protests were night after night, after night, night, after night, after night, coordinated with people saying, oh, to hell with it. I'm going to go out. And, and the media stopped talking about coronavirus for about two weeks. If you go back and look at the first of June and you study, and I've done it, study the, the way that uh, the, the, especially the national television media, all of them, not just the left, not just the right, all of them, Fox News to MSNBC and everywhere in between, they stopped talking about coronavirus and they talked about the other. And I think nationally, by the middle of June, people thought it's over. Yeah. And then the protests kind of started to die down. That subject went away. And by the time the media came back to – coronavirus to covid was about Boom. the time that the numbers started to spike and people were like wait a minute you guys meaning you guys at cnn you guys at fox news you guys at nbc david muir at abc i'm passing i'm passing the blame across the board i want to make that clear yet people were like wait a minute you you didn't talk about this for for weeks now you're coming back and talking about it you just need your ratings again i think that's what you're kind of angry people Pissed off! I've lost my job. My kids. Are, I'm, I'm miserable here. I want to go out. I'm I'm single. I, I haven't had a date in six months, etc. People, they just said I'm not doing this anymore, and boom, here we are. Yeah, that's uh, that's my theory, and I could be way off, but it's kind of what I believe. Well, I do think
2: people stopped talking about it, and they thought it was just going to magically disappear. You know, in the I mean, summer in the
0: heat, yeah, right? Like- the summer in the heat, it was supposed to, and then couple of that with, and I know we, it was there were activities too but you couple that with memorial day um you know right at the at the end of may yeah. beginning of june just right at the same time you know and um you know people out but and about trying to get
2: up normal. a little bit more than that it was uh you know at least what we saw on the medical side what we've kind of felt like has occurred is you had mothers day right and then you had memorial day yeah and then you had fathers day and yep. then you families getting Bible. together. Yeah. And each of those, those are big and you know, all about two weeks apart. <laughs> those are big events for families. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all about two weeks apart. And there's no doubt in my mind that we saw big jumps right, you know, two two, three weeks after each one of those events.
1: And so now we just had the fourth of July. And so we're uh, yeah. yeah, almost two weeks away from it. So yeah.
2: that's what's going on. I mean that you know, and so you know. I mean, the next one's going to be Labor, Labor day. day, September. Yeah, people just can't not do stuff for whatever reason. They just can't, you know, get it in their heads that you know we got to figure out a different way to celebrate this stuff. I mean, I saw my mom on Mother's Day. I didn't get to hug her. I didn't get to go near her. But you know, we sat across the the patio from each other, and we talked to each other, and it was fine. You know, it yeah. wasn't what we're yeah. used to, but you know, was, that's what we got to do for now. You know.
0: Yeah. And then you had summertime. I'll talk personal experience. <clears throat> um, my son is a junior. Um, a lot of people in his class are like his age group um, had these big get togethers. And um, there's a lot of his peers that, you know, that in, that did end up with it, just like you were talking about earlier in the show. Um, a lot of them are athletes. And um, I know the coaches that coached them have been, the one the, one of the really positive things that I'm, I'm really grateful for is the coaches have, you know, and I believe them when they said it. They were serious. They said, "Hey, if you went to these parties, uh, and you show up, and they're like, we know who all was there, and you show up at practice, you're done. You're off the team because you're you're showing us your selfishness and that you don't you don't care about other people." And I asked Christopher, I was like, "Has it, you know, have they has have p- people showed up?" And he's like, "No, nah, Dad, it's it's been ghost town." Uh, and he was with his mom that weekend. So fortunately, uh, he was not a part of that crew, but they were on a trip.
1: So Alan, we, we talked about this briefly before we started recording. So the people haven't heard this, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Now that you've probably had an hour for it to sit in the back of your very busy brain, major league baseball has been practicing at their different home parks. They're not quote in a bubble though. They're professional athletes and the organizations are testing, uh, very commonly they're testing not daily, but pretty close to that. I think um, they're, they're monitoring the players. They're begging the players to be smart. And it appears the players are uh, this is from uh, I'm using Jesse Rogers who covers the Chicago Cubs for ESPN, but this is all over the place. I just found his because he's bookmarked uh, new COVID-19 testing results from the past week in major league baseball, major league baseball as we record this is six days away from opening day, six out of 10,000, 548 tests, which is 0.05% were new positives. Five of the six were players. One was a staffer. Uh, Six out of 10,548 tells me that they're doing something right, and that ought to provide some degree of hope, not just for sports organizations, but for anyone who's trying to, to, to do this in a way that's responsible, that if you do it responsibly, if you're careful, if you safeguard, if you socially distance, if you wear a mask, when it's appropriate that, that, that there's reasons for optimism.
2: 100% agree. I mean, it just it's – it's an exp- – I mean, it's a – you did an experiment, and the experiment turned out positive. I mean, so you – they've shown you can do it in a way that diminishes the spread and allows you to, you know, have something that you're trying to get to. So, I mean, you know, other sports need to learn from
0: what they did. Yeah. <clears throat> you, well, you saw the same thing in the Premier League. Uh, yeah. England soccer they've league. had great success yeah, yeah. the, the English a, Premier League has had great path. success yeah there's a path and, and that you know and I think maybe that's I know as Americans a lot of times we're real hard-headed um, you know as you alluded to earlier the, the Asian cultures they've been through SARS-1 right they've been through H1N1 the you know Middle Eastern Asia have been through MERS Europe went through H1N1 so you know, they were more quickly to adapt to uh, the universal masking and and, you know, maybe if we just take some cues from them, especially as it relates to the sports world too, you know, they're having success. Why why not just us copy it? But I know that we're kind of hard-headed sometimes as Americans.
1: Alan, last thing I'm curious. Uh, I know you guys are right in the middle of it right now. When you're in the middle of the storm, you don't think about the lessons that you learned in the storm. But what about for your industry, the medical industry? Has there been any downtime where you all have kind of looked at each other and said, you know – Here's what we're going to learn from this. This is what's going to change the way that that we operate moving forward. This is how we're going to be better prepared the next time this happens.
2: Well, unfortunately, we have not uh, slowed down enough to be able to kind of you know look at what we, our processes and operations to um, create a plan that. Improves on what we've done, Uh, but that certainly is something that we in, in in an incident command type scenario, which is we're still operating an incident command. But we'll do a you know post event review, and we'll say, look, man, here's here were our super weaknesses, and we've got to do better in these. And we've identified some of them already. You know, interestingly, one of the biggest weaknesses we have and have had through this is communication. Effective, rapid and effective ways of communicating with a large workforce. You know, things that change very fluidly. Um, but, you know, we, we have that plan. We've identified some of it along the way. Um, you know, it. the thing that's been very eye-opening is really that, you know, the medical care system operates on a real thin margin. And if it gets thrown off in in any way um, for a time limited, uh, you know, event like a hurricane or, um, you know, a tornado or, you know, a mass casualty event, it's easy to compensate because, you know, in a week or two, it's going to be over. But what we had not planned for was Something that just seems to be a marathon with a mirage of a finish line, and that is what we're really struggling with how to how to prepare for in the future um, so yeah when we can when we get a second to breathe we'll we'll tackle that one no doubt
1: uh, it's fascinating stuff really uh enjoy your time enjoyed your time with us uh, thanks so much I know you're super busy and um uh, I do see we joked about it earlier, but I do sort of look forward to a podcast down the road where we just say, Hey, we're going to talk to Alan Jones and about nothing medically, we'll just, Me we'll, uh, we'll talk about that beer that we're going to, we're all going to enjoy. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks so much for the time. Hopefully the next time we talk, uh, there's, there's a little better, a little better news. Indeed. And, uh, as always, we really appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. always enjoy it. That's Alan Jones, uh, from Martin Palomo. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of mind on my money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget it's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Tell the people at Pinnacle Trust that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on this podcast or the Oxford Exxon podcast, and you'll get 10% off of your first year's fees. Until next time, take care.